I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels. Hey, guys, it's Kat. And on this episode, we have a very special guest. It's Enika. You remember her. She is the premier paranormal guide in Savannah, Georgia. She is one of the most knowledgeable people in the world of that area. And that area just happens to be one of the most haunted places in the U.S. Enika, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's been really fun to kind of keep up with your paranormal experiences, everything you've had going on since we last talked to you. I know you've also been on um, a handful of podcasts since we last spoke, and things really seem to be taking off. I mean, it's been so much fun to I I saw you pop up on uh, my TikTok on a local podcast from Savannah uh, that does a lot of video stuff. That was really cool to see. And we're That's just excited awesome. to get you back on the podcast. Yeah. Can you give us like a whirlwind of an update since last time we talked to you? Yeah. So I officially started my tour company in Enica Edenfield Tours. I can say my own name. Uh, <laughs> in October of last year. And so I just celebrated my one year anniversary of owning and operating my own tour company. Uh, I was also uh, the first guest on my friend uh, Susie and Madison's podcast, which is the most haunted city on earth. Fun fact, if you listen to the intro after they mess up their intro, you can hear my cackly laugh in the background. Oh, fun. Uh, <laughs> 
and that plays every single episode. And I'm like, this is this is my lasting impact on <laughs> Savannah. I've been running history tours and ghost tours. I get bo- booked mostly for ghost tours, um, but I've had some new paranormal encounters along the way. And I've also had some really great uh, guests on my tours along the way. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but I'm sure when ce- like celebrities go to tour Savannah, they also want to do ghost tours, right? Is that what you mean? I haven't gotten any like celebrity celebrities, um, but I've gotten, you know, some people from TikTok and other podcast hosts who found me. Some of them found me through your podcast and reached out and was like, hey, we just heard you on this podcast and we'd love for you to show us around the spooky places. Oh, that's awesome. We should find out where you are these days on the Believo meter. I almost called it the spooky meter. Zero, obviously, meaning ghosts aren't real and 10 ghosts are real. Where are you on there these days? Uh, still, still a 10. Still a 10. No ghost encounters that were like, it's all fake. Right? <laughs> Stop that telling them all our secrets. Yeah, we can't tell anybody. <laughs> Well, yeah, so let's let's kind of pick up and hit the ground running. Uh, I would love to know about some of these people that you took on tours, especially from TikTok, and if you guys encountered anything spooky on those tours. Yeah, uh, so I had one couple who reached out to me, and the wife warned me ahead of time that she sees spirits sometimes. And... My, I have a couple of different routes that I take people just because uh, the amount of people that we get in Savannah fluctuates. And if it's October, there are usual routes that a lot of tours go through. And I don't like fighting with crowds. So I have multiple routes planned so that if it gets too crowded in one area, we can shift and go to another area. Uh, but one of my usual stops is the Davenport house mm-hmm. uh which was built by a guy named isaiah davenport in 1820 and it's a even though it doesn't look like a super fancy home from the outside it was built in the federalist style so it has like that old philadelphia look to it but it's really important to savannah because it was one of the first homes uh preserved during the upheaval in Savannah when a lot of historic homes were being bulldozed. Uh, But it's also important because of the 1820 yellow fever epidemic that swept through Savannah. Uh, Isaiah Davenport himself ended up dying from yellow fever, not in 1820, but a couple of years later. Mm -hmm. But every October, the Davenport House does a living history presentation talking about the 1820 yellow fever epidemic. And people can walk through and basically get an idea of what it would be like to live through the epidemic, have yellow fever, uh, die from yellow fever, or mourn people who died from yellow fever. Uh, Oh, wow. That sounds like the immersive experience that I really don't want to (laughs) know. Like immersive experiences are all over the place now, like Harry Potter. Heck yeah. Yellow (laughs) fever. Mm. (laughs) Who doesn't want to feel like they're dying from yellow fever? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the plague. Okay. I'll do the plague. Okay. But I took this couple uh, to the Davenport house and I don't go inside of any of these places. I stay outside, but I'm talking about some of the history of this place. And the woman stops me and she says, there's a woman standing in front of one of the windows. And Mm. I turn to look because they do have people who sometimes work late or they're doing a special presentation. And I look to see if there was somebody who worked there who was standing in front of the window. I did not see anybody. And I asked her, 
is the person still there? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, we're going to move on to the next place now. <laughs> Did you get a little too spooked on your own ghost story? My, my general reaction is when something happens, leave. <laughs> Did she this give you any like... Um... Did she, was she able to describe the lady at all? Did it sound like it's from a particular time period? That home was used for a lot of different things. It could have been Mrs. Davenport, who ran the place as a boarding house. After her husband died, it could have been any of the people who stayed there. <laughs> but then I had another encounter after one of my tours close by. So the Davenport house, like a couple of streets over from it, is Colonial Park Cemetery which is the oldest still standing municipal cemetery in Savannah. Not the first one, but it's the oldest one you can still see because they built on top of the first one because we don't mm -hmm. learn lessons in Savannah. But <laughs> uh, I had wrapped up a tour one night and I had parked close to the cemetery. And that area, because it's a cemetery and it's in the middle of downtown, is a very popular place for a lot of ghost tours to stop. And almost any night of the week, you can drive by there and you'll see multiple ghost tours, like all on their little section of sidewalk out in front of the cemetery. And that cemetery and is fascinating just to like walk through. I mean, even oh, if yeah. you're just in Savannah, just seeing how old some of those tombstones are and like reading the history, because my tattoo artist used to be in Savannah. She's now moved to Bluffington, South Carolina. But that used to be one of my favorite things when I would go up there and have some free time would just to walk through there because it's it's something about like when you see history like that right in your face, especially in the South, we don't have a lot of that stuff still around you know because it was mm -hmm. destroyed um so i can only imagine that's that's how i it's like if if there's anywhere that is haunted it is definitely savannah so i'm glad you can come on and tell us about it oh yeah and just hot tip for anybody who's planning on walking through colonial park cemetery there is a brick wall walk next to the brick wall because there are a bunch of headstones that were found broken when they were fixing the cemetery back up in the 1960s and they didn't know where they were supposed to go. So they put them up against that wall. They're locked onto the wall. And a lot of people think it's really creepy, but it actually protects those headstones from mm. a lot of aging because they're protected from direct sunlight. They're protected from direct rain. Mm -hmm. And because they're upright, rainwater doesn't pool on them and eat away at the inscription. So there are some really old headstones up against that wall that you can read fairly well still um, so they're all against the wall but no one knows like which grave they belong to right burial records for colonial park cemetery are bad to non-existent mm. so as they were fixing it up they found these broken headstones and like well we got a headstone but we don't know where it goes right. so we're just gonna put it up against the wall <laughs> but i was walking down that sidewalk one night and like I said, it's a very busy sidewalk, but I guess I had timed it just right because there's no one on the sidewalk. It's a very quiet night. There's also no one driving up and down the street. And I get about halfway down the sidewalk, walking to my car, and I can feel this presence behind me. Now, I used to work in news, and I listened to a lot of fun scanner traffic, especially at 3 a.m. So my first thought is, oh, God, I'm about to get mugged. Right. So I turn around to yell at whoever is following me, thinking that maybe that'll scare them off. And when I turn around, no one is there. Hmm. But I can still feel the presence. I just can't see anybody. And 
my friend Rebecca had warned me before I started this tour company, because she's also, she was a ghost tour guide in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, she warned me that that might happen. A ghost might try to follow you. And if that happens, you just need to stand your ground, set your boundaries and let them know they can't follow you. They have to stay there. So I am staring at an empty sidewalk thinking, okay, this is, this is the moment. <laughs> so I spoke to whoever it was. I said, I don't know who you are. Don't care that you can't follow me. You have to stay here. And then mm -hmm. I turned around and I kept walking the direction that I was headed to my car. And whoever it was listened, which I, I appreciate a ghost who respects my boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, and they stayed put. I'm so used to dealing with a toddler most of my time that I just feel like the ghost will be like, but why? <laughs> Noah, oh my gosh. You obviously like, you know, continue to have these experiences as you tour people and yourself through Savannah. Do you ever regret delving into this field? Does it ever get a little too scary for you? Too scary? Uh, working in news... Like I was just telling some of my friends, like working in news, you deal with the absolute worst of humanity. And sometimes that means dealing with death threats uh, where people call into the news station. Uh, some people show up at the news station. <laughs> so uh, compared to that, ghosts are nothing. Um, <laughs> I do. There, there are moments just because I'm a natural introvert. And so as an introvert, like you go through that thing where it's like, do I still want to be doing this? Do I want people to know who I am? And you just kind of want to hide away in your own home. But I always tell myself, like when, when I get into that mindset that, yeah, if this ever gets to be too much, I can just quit. I can delete all my social media and quit. And so there's it's nothing more of the, the humans than the ghosts that could yeah. be the problem. <laughs> Reminds me of The Shocking. Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> so as you kind of go through this, has there been anywhere since we talked to you that has kind of exploded in popularity of, as a place that people want to see in Savannah? The Mercer House, I wouldn't say that the Mercer House has exploded, uh, but I do get a lot more requests now to see that. And that is uh, the home where Jim Williams from the book and the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil mm -hmm. lived and eventually died. Right. And I just listened to that book on Audible probably last year for the first time. How much do they actually let you see and interact with that home if you do the tour? The tour. So his sister owns that home now, and she's kept the first floor pretty much the same way that Jim had it. So they only take you to the first floor, which doesn't sound like a big tour, but they do tell you a lot about it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you do get to see quite a bit. And like the, the furniture and stuff on that first floor is still from when Jim was there. A lot of it is, uh, there's actually a, is it a chair or a couch? There's a little sitting area that he had in like the back den and Jim really loved cats and his cat that he had when he lived in that home used to claw at some of the furniture mm -hmm. and his sister kept it that way after he passed. So you can still see the claw marks on mm. the furniture from the cat. Wow. And do people report any hauntings from that home? Yeah. So I actually had something happen to me there. Uh, 
when one of my friends came to visit, she's also a big fan of the Night in the Garden of Good and Evil. So we went there and we're standing in the office, Jim Williams' office, uh, which is where Danny Hansford, his boyfriend, died. And they start talking about the night that Danny died. And I have my back to a door that led into what was Jim Williams' kitchen. And I start feeling this energy behind me that felt kind of like TV static. And the more they talked about Danny, the more intense that energy got. And it was getting really uncomfortable. By the time they wrapped up their spiel in that room and they were leading us to the next room, I grabbed my friend's arm. I was like, I don't know who is here, but somebody does not like the way that they're talking about Danny. And I was telling that on one of my lives and I got several commenters saying I toured that home and I got the same feeling Mm. and just I think it was a week ago I had uh, some of my friends it was a couple weeks ago uh, some of my friends came on a tour because they had their own family in town and a couple of them are sensitive and we stopped in front of that home and I'm telling them all the stories and one of my friends said yeah that was Danny because they could hear Danny when I'm relating this story. And uh, my friend said that Danny told them like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> like this very demanding voice. You know, in that book, it um, talks about, isn't there like a voodoo priestess that he goes to or <laughs> right? What? Why? <laughs> he just roll in her eyes. <laughs> so voodoo, this, this is like one of my pet peeves. There is voodoo and there is hoodoo, and those are two different things. Oh, I thought it was just a saying, hoodoo the voodoo. That's not a... No. (laughs) uh... This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels, and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash hauntings. That's wildgrain.com slash hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Those are, two separate, here. <laughs> those are two separate practices. They came into the country, United States, uh, through different paths. They are related, but that's like saying Catholicism is related to Mormonism. 
Okay. So like related, but different. Gotcha. Uh, hoodoo most often is just referred to as root work. And that is something that uh, the Gullah Geechee people on the Eastern coast have kept alive. Those are practices that they, that their ancestors brought over during the transatlantic slave trade. And it really is just a practice. It's not really a religion. A lot of hoodoo practitioners are Christian. Uh, Voodoo on the other hand is more of a religion. And that is something that was brought into new Orleans. And is there a lot of voodoo in Savannah? Not really. Um, Do not claim to be an expert on this. Uh, I am not Gullah Geechee, but I think because of the time period that Midnight the Garden of Good and Evil was written, that a lot of people, especially a lot of white people, uh, saw these practices and immediately thought voodoo. Right. So that's why it kind of gets conflated. Yeah, that's, that's something I was always curious about after listening to the book it always sounds weird saying listening to the book but i feel like i'm (laughs) cheating if i say i read it and i didn't i I was like you know that seems odd to me that there would be a a large scale voodoo practicing going on in that part of the south because i grew up going to new orleans a ton because where i'm from was only like three and a half hours from new orleans so somewhat not familiar with it in the sense that I've ever been around it, but just hearing about the lore and, and, you know, what is out there in New Orleans. So that's kind of nice to find out some more information on that. What are some <laughs> other misnomers about Savannah that, you know, on your tours and stuff, I'm sure people ask you all kind of questions that you're just like, oh gosh, this question again. No, it's this, yeah. not that. You hear all the time that Savannah's a city built on its dead. Uh <laughs> Yeah, but that's also not special to Savannah. Chicago is built on top of old cemeteries. New York is built on top of old cemeteries. San Francisco, like a lot of cities are built on top of old cemeteries. Savannah is not special that way. And as far as the idea that, you know, if you go digging in downtown, you'll immediately find bones. Eh, It depends on where you're digging. Wait, that's a Um, thing? I didn't know that was a thing. Wow. Uh, there there are a lot of people who think that if you just pick a random spot of dirt and start digging there, you'll find bones. And depending on where you are, you might. That is the most wild thing. I've, so, yeah, I had no idea that that was part of the lore. Is it against the law to dig? Like, do they, I'm sure they must not want people digging for other people's bones in the city. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to just because we also have a lot of <laughs> gas lines. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so call, so don't, call 311. <laughs> don't smoke while you're uh, digging for bones. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to check like the local news next week and Noah's going to be like, with a picture with his eyes wide, like in a shovel. Like, What's left of my hair will just be singed <laughs> off. <laughs> I just needed to see if they were real. I have a ghost <laughs> podcast. I gotta know. Broughton Street, one of the main streets downtown, uh, they just, just finished working on it. Uh, they've been working on it for several years. And I heard a lot of people say, oh, the reason that it's taking so long is because as they're digging up the old road, they're finding all these dead bodies. Oh my God. No, they're not. <laughs> uh, the reason it's taking so long is because we're an old city and they kept finding old water pipes that were corroding mm. and need to be replaced. 
yeah, I kind of had to eat my words a little bit um, because at the corner of Broughton and Bull Street, they did find some bone fragments in October. <gasps> Whoa. And those were taken to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. And I keep checking their website and so far they haven't updated anything. We don't know if they're animal or human bones. Uh, and Savannah is a city that's been lived in for a really long time, even before it was called Savannah. Like mm. Native Americans lived in coastal Georgia for thousands of years. Right. So literally thousands of years. Like it yes. yeah. blows my mind every time. It's interesting because you think at this point we could very quickly decide and determine if it was a animal bone. Well, I guess we're animals too, but you know, like a mammal bone versus, well, we're mammals too. Oh my gosh, where am I going? <laughs> where am I going with this? You know, two legs versus four. Animal four versus legs. like a human bone. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were bone fragments and I haven't okay. found any description of how big the bone fragments were. Mm -hmm. um, but that is also a couple of neat things about that area is where it was found on the old like 1750s maps of savannah there was a well there uh so it could be animal bones maybe an animal fell into the well nobody found it um or a child or a child <laughs> uh, there's also Tomachichi, the leader of the yamacra who was here when general oglethorpe the founder of savannah arrived mm. uh he was buried in Wright square which is close by also off Wright Square was where our original burial ground was and where some bodies still are because uh, they didn't get them all. But the sand and the soil in Savannah is very sandy and sand will shift and move with time and it will take small things like bone fragments with it. Mm -hmm. uh, so another possibility is that it could be from Tomachichi or the old burial ground. And over the last couple of hundred years, they've just been migrating north to Broughton Street. Um, so it'll be really exciting to hear what the GBI finds. If you got to sit down with someone of the city or like the mayor, or I don't even know who I'm asking here, but if you sat down <laughs> with someone official and they were like, what should we change or what should we do? I know this is a very broad question. But I'm curious if there's anything you've learned from your tours and from the history that you're like, oh, if only this, or I wish that there was more or less of this. I really wish there was an archaeology ordinance hmm. um, because we do not have one. And it is up to uh, home homeowners, business owners, who if they're doing new construction, they get to pick whether or not there's an archaeological survey of that area prior to oh, building and interesting i i follow a couple of archaeologists here in savannah and that's their main complaint like anytime something like the bones pops up they're like if we had an archaeological ordinance this would not be a problem yeah um, i had never thought of it like that because it must be such a process you'd think by now especially somewhere as historical as savannah um that they would have like a better process with that or like an ordinance and, and there's no telling how many pieces of Savannah's history that we've lost along the way um, mm -hmm. because, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of development. Yes, there's a lot of historic preservation, but there's also a lot of new development. And yeah, there, there are God knows how many pieces of history that are just on now because of that. Or just like sitting on someone's mantle because they found it in their backyard or something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Well, speaking of history, I was curious, has there ever been a known serial killer in Savannah throughout the 
you know there have uh there have there was a serial killer who came through in the i think it was the late 70s or early 80s he targeted gay men Hmm. and i do not remember his name we didn't get any real notable serial killers um and then there was another serial serial killer who came it through sometime in the 90s i think and he targeted women and the weird thing about him is he would he he remembered all their faces and after he was caught he was you know put on trial found guilty put in prison but in prison he started drawing the faces of his Uh victims he was like i don't remember their names but this is their face so law enforcement has been working and like posting these pictures asking people like do you recognize this woman um yeah and there were a couple of victims from savannah wow what i did not know that I just feel like you're our internet for Savannah. Any any question I can come up with, you're like, actually. Uh, Savannah Google. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be, that should be the name of your podcast, Savannah Google. <laughs> Wait, that's funny. I like that. You should do that. Um, but also, I have another question. So if you, when you travel outside of the Savannah, um, do you always like try to make sure you get some sort of history or ghost tour, depending on what city you're in? I I do like going on ghost tours and I like visiting a lot of museums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have family up in the Columbus, Ohio area. And the last time I was up, we all went on a ghost tour. <laughs> I kind of felt like a jerk because even though I don't know a whole lot of history about Columbus, but I do know certain things about architecture. So we're towards the back of the group and he's telling us all these ghost stories and stuff. And I'm like, this building is called brutalism. <laughs> <laughs> my sister is trying to listen to me and listen to the tour guide at the same time you're probably like no he's making it up no <laughs> <laughs> that's something i didn't think about either you're probably really good at spotting the frauds because i'm sure there are a couple of frauds sprinkled in every now and then with ghost tours and things like that um, it's always really funny because especially going back to uh colonial park cemetery there are a lot a lot of myths uh, regarding Colonial Park Cemetery, uh, just because it's a spooky looking place and a lot of people mm-hmm. take advantage of that. And so in order to, you know, build out their tour, they make up stuff. Uh, not not naming any names, but, but you uh, could. <laughs> but I could. And I will tell my tours, you know, like there's this myth about this thing and I'll debunk it. And then we'll walk a few feet away and we'll pass another tour and a guest on my tour will be like, they just said the thing that you said that wasn't true. (laughs) And they're like, right here is where the ghost rose from the, and you're like, no, 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 no. no." (laughs) Um, Well, circling back to ghosts, have there been any recent uh, ghost stories circulating in Savannah that have interested you? There's always some. I... Yesterday was actually uh, sent a picture from somebody who follows me on TikTok, and he's he's asked me if I knew anything about this particular inn in Savannah, and I was like, well, I know it used to be a private residence. It was also a law office for a while, and now it's an inn. And he was like, yeah, that's pretty much all the information I could find about it too. But I took this picture, and I think I caught a woman standing on the steps, and he sent me the picture. And 
I've still been staring at it because I'm still trying to figure out like, is it maybe a glare? Is it a reflection off of something? Because it, if, if it's really a ghost that he captured, it's, it's a really good one. Mm. Um, he said to him, it looks like a woman in a bridal gown with like a veil over her face. Uh, I think it looks more like a Victorian girl in a nightgown. And on these tours that I know you mentioned where you had a couple experiences, were there any other experiences you wanted to share with us or any other recent ghost phenomenon you wanted to share with us? Yeah, I, I had a tour group. It was a bachelorette party and they were fantastic. Bachelor, <laughs> bachelorette parties in Savannah. We kind of have like a love hate relationship with them. Sure. We refer to them as woo girls. Uh, Wait, refer they, to them as what? Woo girls because they woo get girl. around and they go woo. woo! <laughs> I've been known to be a woo girl before. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but since I only do private tours, it was just their group, which was great because it wasn't a whole bunch of other people being like, Meh, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they they were a little tipsy. They pre-gamed before the tour, but they were all fantastic. And I'm showing them around, telling them all my stories. And I guess because they were just like the right level of drunk, they really got into the stories. Mm. And by the time we got to Chippewa Square, they have worked themselves up into hysterics and they think a ghost is going to follow them back to their uh, Airbnb. Oh my gosh. So I, we, we stop over close to uh, the monument there in the square and I'm trying to calm them down and let them know I'm not taking you anywhere. We're ghosts like to follow people. We did not go to Colonial Park Cemetery. Uh, <laughs> All right. Was that like a, a last minute decision? Uh, yeah. Um, but I'm trying to like, let them know you're going to be safe. Well, it was a chilly night and we're standing in the middle of the square, far away from any of the buildings. And we're all wearing sweaters. And as I'm trying to calm them all down, I feel this warm presence walk through the center of our group. Oh dear. And I'm looking at them like, did anyone else feel that? No, just me. Cause I'm the only sober one. Okay. Um, we are going to walk away from here very quickly uh, because when I said, no one's going to follow you, clearly someone was hanging out and was like, oh, you don't think, huh? <laughs> Just waiting for you to say that. And here we yeah. come. Uh, as far as I know, they did not get followed. So I would have loved made it out. Okay. I would have loved to like watch their reactions when you were like, everything's fine. You're not going to get followed. And then like, uh, did y'all feel that? Did they freak out? <laughs> I, I was trying to keep them calm. So I was just like, we're just going to walk away from here. And I Got didn't that. tell them why until later. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that, yeah. I probably would have been one of those scared, like drug girls for sure. <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, Inigo, what is your, because obviously you enjoy this stuff and you still enjoy it, which I think is, is really cool. Is there a dream location you would like to visit that you've never been before? I just love cool old places that have fun architectural details in them. Uh, I ended up on history talk and like architecture talk all the time. And yeah, I just, I want to see everything. <laughs> I bet Italy has some really cool haunted places because they have a ton of, you know, obviously with it being in Europe, old architecture that would be fun to investigate. Oh, I'm but sure. As you kind of move forward with this, industry and I, I feel pretty confident in saying you know you really are the top or one of the top 
tour guides in Savannah. Where do you see this going for you? Where do you want it? You know, where do you want to take this uh, practice? I have no idea. <laughs> I I started this in response to uh, people who follow me on TikTok wanting in-person tours. And, you know, I just do private groups. I don't advertise. I try to keep my costs really low um, just because I know after the pandemic and everything, we're still going through like some weird economic times that, yeah. you know, money's really tight. So I could charge more. I probably should charge more. Um, but I'm just, I'm doing it. I hate to say I'm doing it for the fans because that sounds so pretentious. But uh, yeah, it's it's really more for them. And it just gives me an excuse to walk around and info dump about a bunch of stuff that I know. Um, will I continue to do this? I don't know. Maybe it'll morph into something else. And for people that are listening to this right now and, and have enjoyed you on the previous podcast and on this episode, can you give them kind of a, I hate to use the word sales pitch, but just kind of <laughs> a, a small taste of what they can expect if they do reach out and book you for a tour in Savannah? Yeah. Uh, like I said, all my tours are private and it's just you and whoever else you bring. And I've got all my contact information on my website, unicaedmanfieldtours.com. And because they're all private, you can also kind of like pick the time that works best for you. Unless it's October, I usually don't get like completely booked up. Um, so yeah, just reach out to me and say, these are the dates that we're going to be in town. Uh, this is how many people we have. And I do charge it's $25 for adults and $10 for children 5 to 13 uh, any kids on the tour under five are free uh, so I can also make it family friendly I don't talk about the dead prostitutes on the family uh, tours what about um, the alive ones <laughs> uh no not not them either <laughs> Um, yeah, we got to get those prices up. Um, that is a really good deal. Well, and, and I know I've asked you a ton of questions about Savannah, but lastly, I would love to know what your most overrated location is that people want to visit and the most underrated location that people Ooh, should visit. I'm ready for that. Over, overrated is probably a toss up in between the Sorrel Weed House and 432 Abercorn. Uh, just because a lot of the stories that get told about both places are not true. Mm. Am I saying those places aren't haunted? No, I do believe they are haunted. I just don't think they're haunted by pretty much any of the things that people say they're haunted by. Um, as far as underrated goes, oh, that's a good one. Let me think about that. I was not expecting that question. <laughs> um. Probably uh, either Poeter Hall, which is a building that's owned by the Savannah College of Art and Design. It's the first building that they purchased when they moved into Savannah in the 70s, but that building was originally the Savannah uh, Guard Armory. Mm. And it was built on top of property that used to be an orphanage. Great. Yes. Right. Always good. And right across from that is another place that's my favorite building in Savannah. It's the old Scottish Rite Temple that was completed in the 1920s. And it was built by 
the Masons, the Scottish Rite. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous building. They also sold it to SCAD in 2020 because SCAD owns everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that building, every time I've done a video, a TikTok about that, or mentioned it in a live, I get messages from members uh, who wow. are like, hey, have I got some stories about that place? And yeah, every every story I've heard about that place from people who were either members of the Scottish Rite or were members of other Masonic lodges that had events there, all of them are wild. Hmm. Like haunted wild? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, Is it like a specific ghost or just like hauntings in general? That it, take it seems to be haunted by multiple hmm. things. <laughs> I think some of them are people. Some of them might not be people. Oh, wow. But yeah, like other, I mean, I've heard other tours talk about how uh, sometimes if you stand outside at night, you can see like men in like 1920s, 1930s clothing standing in front of the windows. Uh, and I've, I've heard that from other people as well. But the ones that lodge members have told me sometimes involve them getting chased by stuff. Oh, wow. That's super oh. scary. Um, well, Kat, did you have any more questions for Enoch before we get her out of here? I don't think so, but I really want to come to Savannah now and go on one of your tours. Yeah. I know. I need to book you next time I come through because the last um, tattoo I got, what, I guess a couple weeks, maybe a month ago, there's a couple little spots that I'm going to get touched up because uh, of the way it healed. So I'll have to reach out and see if um, you're free when I come through. Cause I've, I've never been on a ghost tour before. So I, I you know, it's, it's somebody who co-hosts a ghost podcast. I should probably go and experience that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Real hauntings field trip to Savannah. It's happening. Yeah. Yes. We definitely Manifesting have to do that. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, Enika, I would love for you. I know you mentioned your website, but I'd love for you to let our audience know your other um, or your social media outlets where they can follow all the great content you create too. Sure. Uh, I'm on TikTok. My handle is salt waves, Spanish moss. I'm also on Instagram as Eni Edenfield. Eni is spelled E-E-N-I-E. -E. And yeah, those are really the two main ones. With that, I'm Noah Daniels. Oh, I'm Kat. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Enika. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.